the volume. Welcome into another episode of Sports Gambling with Moneyline Monaco. Alex Monaco joining you Tuesday. I am in New York City. We are waking up and rolling out breaking news out of New York Jets world. Aaron Rodgers is out for the season. I don't even know where the Scotty Van Babby began. This is beyond demoralizing for the New York football community, the New York Jets community. I, I mean, so many decorated legendary Jets fans deserving this moment. You know, even watching the John McEnroe interview, you know, I, I love watching all the pregame, not just studying the guys I look up to, but just watching to watch as a fan. And gosh, I got I got weird vibes when I saw McEnroe and and Rogers talking and McEnroe even throwing it out there. What if something goes wrong? Da, 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 da. Aaron Rodgers debunking that saying, just put positive vibes out there. We all saw the play on Floyd fourth play in to his Jets tenure. I believe he didn't even have a completion and he goes for a Madden spin move. And I said this to my producer, Paul out the gate, you know, I respect it because it was a Rogers move. He's very crafty in the pocket. But my gosh, did I just want him to go down on that play on so many levels? He spin moves. It was a beautiful uh, evading of the sack from behind him. But, you know, you're 39. It just takes me back to, like, pick up basketball on a Saturday morning with a 39-year-old frame. And, you know, someone obviously tweeted it out. He's going to rupture his Achilles tendon. And it was weird weather. It was thundering all day in New York. I digress, but just a soul-crushing moment for the New York Jets. They are now going to scramble with what to do. We'll talk out how it impacts the betting market here. Now, Zach Wilson comes in and, to his credit, gets it done. And it, it took us back so quickly to last year. But, you know, I, I tweeted out, tripled down on the under, ended up going 3-0 and on picks in this Monday night game. There's been a nice little trend on primetime unders, not just this season to kick it off, but going back a few years. Uh, Bet Labs is a great follow via Action Network to check out some of those trends week to week. But a 22-16 win, Jets get it done in dramatic fashion. You got to tip your fro to this Jets D. Three Allen turnovers plus a fumble, a game-losing fumble at the end. Guy fumbled the ball twice. Talk about needing little giant stick him in a New York market. My gosh, Tim the Toolman Allen looking very mediocre at best, but the story, of course, is on the other sideline. Wilson, 14 for 21, one tug, one picks, 140 yards. Very Wilson-esque. Brees Hall was a breath of fresh air, 10 for 127. Dalvin did out-carry him. Lazard led all receivers with 46 receiving yards. And, and there it is right there. You lead the team with 46 receiving yards. That's the problem that we look back to last year with a Zach Wilson led club and the stadium. You saw it through the airwaves. You heard it through the commentary. I was, I was flipping back from Buck and Aikman to Manning and Manning. I, I wanted to lean more of the quarterbacks and, and see what Peyton and Eli were saying. And it was just devastating. But it did speak volumes about the Jets' 
defense, the Jets' identity, for them to hang in that game and not just get blown out 40-3, to which could have easily happened, shows you everything we saw in the Hard Knocks series this August. A team with unbelievable grit, unbelievable determination. It was also September 11th, as we all know, in New York yesterday. So emotions already high, wanting to play and put on for the city already there. And even with the first series unfolding and how it did, Rodgers gets carted off the whole thing. Every celebrity and their mothers in the building. And the Jets win the game. But we go to the market here and we look at it on DraftKings. And this is a Jets team now. And, and just for what it's worth, the week two line at the Cowboys was a three and a half point line right before kickoff last night. It has ballooned to now Jets plus nine and plus 350. So you want to know what Aaron Rodgers is worth. He's worth about a touchdown out the gate. This line, pending where the, the market moves it, and again, the betting world is a live market, just like stocks. Again, they're not going to move a ton, but in an instance like this, if you were on the Cowboys week two already, you pretty much packed up an early W if you got a six, six and a half point value play on the Cowboys. So we'll keep an eye on that week two line. I do want to draw your attention to the AFC East plus 550, plus 550. The New York Jets are after a win. In the division, Dolphins at plus 140, Bills at plus 145, DraftKings live lines. The AFC now for the Jets to come out of it. And what we do remember is that this Jets team before Aaron Rodgers was around 15 to 1-ish to win the AFC. They dropped down all the way to 7 to 1 plus 750. Again, pending where you shop. We look at DraftKings this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, they're 30 to 1 to win the conference. I mean, I'm, I fired like a lot of you emotionally on Jets tickets, Jets futures tickets. We don't have at the moment over under updated team wins, but what we do have is a 30 to one Willie Wonka and the chocolate factory ticket to get in to see Willie, i.e. the Lamar Hunt trophy. Um, it ain't happening with Wilson. The only hope, and, and this is a Think of a Hollywood script twist as you can make up, especially because the man got honored in the division in New England this past Sunday, would be to call Tom Brady, who's getting buckets in the New York City indoor gym in basketball right now, trending on Twitter of all things, is to get him to unretire. I don't know how that would, rights would work with the Bucks, but 30 to 1 for the Jets and the Super Bowl numbers are even more staggering. I almost don't have the heart to tell you. They're 60 to 1. For a team that was under 15 to 1 yesterday, off a win, 60 to 1, it's just shell shocking. So again, we could sit here and we could spitz like a Hebrew on a high holiday, like half of my relatives at my bar mitzvah did. Or we could move on and Colin always says it. You get new information, you have to read, you have to react. I don't know how we do not hedge our position, at least in the AFC East. I imagine no one wants to pick a new team today, today in the AFC to represent them to the Super Bowl or to win the Super Bowl. But if you are on the Jets to win the East, and again, I am on the Bills, so I'm fortunate for that matter. I do have a Jets to make the playoffs ticket and a Jets over nine and a half wins. 
but I would probably react accordingly if I was on the Jets to win the East. My recommendation would be, and it completely hinges on who you prefer. It's a two-horse race, Bills and the Dolphins. Bills off a loss. They were plus 130, moved a little bit preseason to the loss week two. Finns with a huge week one win. Now, the Dolphins could very well lose week two at New England. Bills are going to route the Raiders. So that division from a futures perspective could realign itself. I still would lean Buffalo. I'm not quite sure I feel comfortable with this Miami D. Everyone's on Vic Fangio coaching them up. Uh, You give up over 30 points with ease week one. You can't feel good about getting in week in, week out shootouts. Josh Allen will not turn the ball over four times again. At least we hope. So at the moment, I'd lean Buffalo in the division. We just got to see what happens on the overall quick short turnaround for this New York Jets team, but a debilitating locker room, rightfully so. And we have to turn our attention to week two. Just want to rehash week one from a betting perspective. Talked about this on yesterday's episode. Again, we did go 3-0 and on the Monday Night Football picks. Took the first half under, the game under, 22.5 and 45, and the Jets plus two. Very lucky to cash that. Um, But we come into week two, and I do want to talk about the division winners and futures, but in lieu of week one, we come off a week where road teams covered 12 out of the 16 games, 12 and four road teams went against the spread, which was absolutely remarkable. Underdogs inked at a 10 and six against the spread. And we also saw road dogs, road underdogs, eight and two against the spread. A couple of those big outright six point or more underdog wins, Baker Mayfield, and they get your weight up, little boy bucks trending right now on Twitter. And of course, the Rams with a huge upset victory up in the PNW. Uh, cannot not mention the Raiders as well. Not as big of a line, three and a half their dogs, but going a mile high in a week one win was big. So there were some blowouts. I will say from the the start of the 2014 season, I have it in front of me trends-wise. Teams that lost by at least 10 points in week one have covered the spread just under 63% of the time in week two. So there's been 62 instances of teams losing by double digits week one. Those teams typically bounce back and cover at a 39-22-1 against the spread rate. Straight up, not as interesting. 32-20. and 20. So again, a lot of those teams, I guess if you would go back on conventional wisdom, you would say teams that aren't great covering week two, but not getting the straight up win. Um, but we do lean the numbers there as we'll talk that out. But I kind of want to go over a couple of, of divisions and futures. I picked out my division winners couple of them I absolutely loved. The value is gone. The value is completely gone. Um, I spoke on the San Francisco 49ers, only laying around minus 165 before the season. And I pointed out, and sometimes the books show you, on receiver, tight end, running back props, they give you leans on where these players will go out throughout the maturation of their statistical season. I pointed out how The books had DeAndre Hopkins at four and a half receiving touchdowns, so don't overdraft him. Little tells like that. But to me, the real tell in the NFC 
West was that there was a two-game gap in the over-under of wins between the Niners and the Seahawks, 11.5 and 9.5. Seahawks lose week one. Niners route the Steelers week one. And then Seahawks were a little over two and a half to one. I think they're around plus 250, plus 260, somewhere in that neighborhood to the Niners minus 165. Listen to this. The Niners are minus 500 on DraftKings Tuesday, September 12th. The Seahawks are plus 650. We're at the point where the Rams at 10 to one might be the value play. As opposed to the Seahawks. I, the Seahawks, I do like them to cover week two at Detroit. Big spread. But this could have been a one-and-done Geno Smith year. And this time we're writing back. Value is gone for the San Francisco 49ers. They are going to run away with this division easily. The only way they don't is they get in divisional trouble. Remind ourselves, I said it on the NFC West app, they were undefeated for the first time last year, including the playoffs 7-0 within the division. The team, I made my one mistake. I made my one mulligan against a great team. I faded, try to be sharp, taking Tomlin as a dog, the number one D in the league. Ladies and gentlemen, the Niners and the Cowboys, go ahead and ink them in the playoffs and a deep run. The team that doesn't look so great that is off a Super Bowl berth last year is the Philadelphia Eagles. You heard Sirianni in the press conference as well. And it is interesting to note teams that did not play their starters at all in the preseason did really poor week one. So that's the other element. You have overreaction Monday, but you have a lot of teams doing the Sean McVay new school approach and not getting any game reps in the preseason. And you saw an impact a couple of these teams. Um, let's move on to another division here. My guy, Paul, the NFC North. I said before the season, Bears are my value play. From five to one all the way down, and you can get them at a not so interesting price on DraftKings of 10 to one. I think the real conversation for the divisional winner in the NFC North at the moment, Lions minus 130, Packers plus 240. They were the Packers and the Browns, two, four, fourth place on the value play board. Two teams, seven to one, now drastically dropped all the way below three to one, a little over two to one. Packers are plus 240. But I want to direct your attention to the Minnesota Vikings, who I said if it wasn't the Lions to win this division, or excuse me, if it wasn't me making an emotional purchase on the Bears or you out there feeling like the Lions is chalk with a play, that the Minnesota Vikings, a little over two to one, were the play. They lose one game, fluke game, fluke game to the Bucs. They're at plus 650. Uh, this defense, actually, to my, to my mistake, was vastly improved in this week one. And it was the offense to me that was actually a little skeptical. I may talk that out with Paul at the end of the episode, but the value for the Packers is gone. But the potential interesting play, and the Vikings do, and they're getting seven, have a quick turnaround here in two sleeps, head to Lincoln Financial to play the Eagles. They win that game. Vikings plus 650 is going to free fall, potentially cut in half. Just wanted to make mention 
of that as we look at overreactions. And the bookmakers do do it too as we turn our attention to another division I find interesting. The Kansas City Chiefs lose week one. They are minus 130 after a Chargers loss, a Broncos loss, and a Raiders win. The Raiders are in the driver's seat at the moment in the AFC West. I don't know how you don't feel excellent about taking the Kansas City Chiefs to win this division. Again, haven't had less than 12 wins since Mahomes was under center. This team's going to correct itself. Two shockingly big moments. One franchise player on defense, the other franchise player on offense, not playing. Okay. Talk about a fluke outcome that pick six, the whole thing. How would we be talking about the Chiefs if they won that game? They lost by a point and they're minus 130. The Chargers showed you who they are. They lost a gift week one, a gift. All right. The Chargers are not well coached. The Chargers almost don't know what to do with themselves when they have the pretty girl interested in them. How many times do we need to see it? I grew up in the AFC West. I'm telling you right now, lock down the Chiefs after they beat the Jaguars. Sure, the Chargers should win week two. The point is, I'm looking at this Chargers team. They just don't have it all together. You cannot win this in this league if you do not have a top coach. It it just goes to show you. Look at Trevor Lawrence with Urban Meyer. Look at Trevor Lawrence with Dougie P. And I will say, if you don't like any juice on the futures board, don't overthink it. The Jags are winning the South. They're only minus 190. I thought they would be well over minus 200. That will probably be a precautionary line put because we envision a bounce back game from the Chiefs. So the Jags go one and one. Colts play the Texans. That'll balance out. Titans win against the Chargers, which they very well could. Then we got a realigned AFC South. But I don't know how, if you don't want to ink two teams right now, either throw the Niners in with the Chiefs, the Jags in with the Niners. There's there's clear, to me, lanes for a couple of these teams, mainly Jags, Niners, and Chiefs, to remain the chalk throughout the season. Um, Another division that is shocking this morning is the AFC North. I am blown away. The Cleveland Browns, and I saw some sharps. I saw some people I respect. There are a lot of people in this industry who I follow. Sometimes I'll tail. Sometimes I'll blind tail. We're on the Browns at over 30 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. They are the even favorite on DraftKings with the Ravens. Now, an interesting timing if you did want to purchase a week one AFC North ticket, week two, going into week two, Bengals play the Ravens, Eileen Bengals at home, Browns play the Steelers. Let's just say pendulum swings back, Bengals win, Steelers win. Everyone's one and one in the division. How do we look at the the betting market from a futures perspective in the AFC North week three? I imagine the Browns go right back to where they were slotted, right there in between the second and the fourth, maybe even overreact because Pittsburgh wins. I do think the Browns take care of the Steelers, but you never know. We know that this division of all divisions 
Every team went three and three last year against each other. My B minus joke of them beating up on each other in the division, like the Gronkowski's at dinner time fighting for the last piece of chicken. This is an interesting, I think, overreaction of the Browns. Again, will they get a rain monsoon, whatever the hell that was in Cleveland week one on their side where Burrow throws for 2.6 completions per attempt? So it does speak to the Browns' passing D. It does speak to the Browns' trenches on both sides. I don't want to overreact. Deshaun Watson, again, did not give us an old Deshaun Watson view of him. Gave us a little Costco sample of, all right, they can play very good complimentary football in Cleveland where the defense just gives the ball back with great with great possession, with great field position, rather. And that's football. That's where it's easy. That's where the Niners, the Cowboys made it look easy easy the Browns didn't necessarily make it look easy on Sunday watched a lot of that game in long form that was Burrow with no offseason excuse me with no real training camp in preseason coming in like he did last year where he got smoked through four interceptions against the Steelers and we overreacted again so I'm not saying the Browns aren't something I think there's a there was a ton of value on them over eight and a half wins that's long gone the chalk to win the division. I think if anything, there's real value on whether you like the Bengals plus 245 for the Bengals. You might not get that number again all season. Eileen Ravens in the division. Didn't love what I saw offensively from them. Their defense again, it's going to be fine, but the Bengals at plus 245 could be an interesting play. A couple of these lines um, going into this week, are interesting. I do want to talk out a little, little bit of this with my guy Paul here in just a second. Um, but a couple of the lines that almost feel fishy. Um, one of them being the Dolphins and the Patriots. <laughs> Vegas kind of tells you with these lines where they think the game could end up being. The fact that the Patriots, who we don't know what they are yet on offense as they have so much turnover in the coaching side of things. Will they recorrect themselves? Was it more about the Patriots stepping up on offense towards that second half against the Eagles? Or that was that more about the Sirianni's point? This team came in very rusty off of a no preseason and a very chill for Philly terms, Eagles training camp. I'm not quite sure, but I do think that two-point line is almost fishy, pun intended, with the Dolphins. I think what Vegas is telling you is that the Patriots are going to win this game. They just want you to take the Dolphins because it's under three. If this line was three, three and a half that the Dolphins were laying, it almost makes it more confusing on some level because you're sitting here going, wow, maybe the, the book's think that this Dolphins team really is for real. No, what they're saying is the Dolphins are on the road for the second week in a row. They're not going against a mediocre defense and a mediocre coaching staff in LA. They're going against the cream of the crop. Schematics-wise, I lean Patriots in this one. I just think the two-point line is a little bit of a cause for concern. 
Another line I find interesting is this Tennessee Titans Chargers line. Um, will I do it again? I went to gambling therapy yesterday to talk out the Chargers, uh, a team I hate, I love, and I continue to bet as a recovering San Diego Chargers fan. Explain to me how the Chargers are laying three at Tennessee. This tells me one of two things, that the books want you to think that the Chargers are going to win this game, and they're not putting a Captain Dustin Hoffman hook on there to make it complicated. Because if it was three and a half, you probably lean Titans at home. Home dog, three and a half. We saw them on the road getting points. Funky game, 16-15. Vrabel's history of covering as a dog, second to only Tomlin. I think what they're saying is that three-point line, no hook, is giving enough of a tell that the Titans are going to win this game. And they're giving you three because they want you to take the Chargers. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But right now, I'm going to lean fading my, my team. If I start out fading my team 0-2 ATS, I'm going to lose my mind. And another line before I bring in my guy Paul here to wrap up the show that I do find speculative, not glamorous, but you mean to tell me the Chicago Bears at home lose by three scores comfortably, were, was never really in the game in that second half, garbage time, is only plus three on the road against the Tampa Bay Bucks, who just outright beat the Vikings at over well over two to one and laying and getting six Vikings laying six Bears plus three. Again, if this was so easy, we would say take the Bucks at home all day. This is the NFL. We overreact. It's the same thing with the Seahawks plus five and a half point line. Everyone's going to want to back the Lions on extra rest. Watch the Seahawks shock the world. The only thing as I bring in my guy, Paul here, talk these out. That I want to leave you with is it is a overreactive week one to week two always. And on top of that is the spreads and the teams that shocked the world week one, it, the pendulum often swings back. So just do not overreact. Stick to your betting process. Watch where the money comes in. And Paul, I want to start out here in the NFC North. Do you not feel like the value at six to one here is not on the Vikings now at plus 650 to be exact here on DraftKings? <laughs> Where are you at on this Vikings team? Because I was actually impressed with the defense. Oh, Monica, I don't know what game you were watching. I was I, the defense was okay in the first half, but the second half absolutely fell apart. Tampa Bay went on a 15 play, nine minute drive to start the second half um, that ended in a touchdown. And yes, it, it was extended because of an offside penalty on a field goal, but that you just can't let that happen against Baker Mayfield at home. There were about three bucks drives in the second half and all of them were long like scoring drives um the vikings defense to me came out aggressive and that's exactly what brian flores said and they came out on fire um but at the end of the second quarter right just before halftime there was something changed and and the buccaneers started moving the ball pretty easily similar to what you saw last year against the vikings so i i see your line at you, you're seeing six and a half, you said? 
I'm seeing I'm seeing plus seven right now. I think this Vikings. But here, team, but I Paul, me ask, I mean, just them. but it, I'm looking. I mean, and I I hear you on that huge drive to start the second half. But if I were to sit here and tell you, week one, blind resume, blind box score, that you gave up less than 200 yards passing, no one rushed for over 75 yards, the entire team, the third down conversion rate of your opponent was six for 17. And you gave up 20 points. I imagine as a Vikings fan from last year, you would have taken that at home all day and you would have taken that to the M&T bank. I I mean, last year we were giving up 380 yards to Mike White. So I, I would take basically anything last year but the Tampa Bay here, here's here's their second here's here are the scoring drives it was a uh let's see if I can find the full game game drives here uh, I'm just looking at this one 16 plays 75 yards nine minutes off the clock 10 play 38 yard drive 446 off the clock like they they possessed the ball for a long time that drive before halftime seven plays 61 yards uh and they did it quick too they, they well, struck so quick what, a minute 30. talk to me about the offense because I Again, I'm in the betting market here, and I cannot not sprinkle on the Vikings plus 650. I, I'm all over Minnesota plus seven Thursday night football. I don't think the Eagles look that great. I am I'm shocked you're not higher on your team. Are are we well, not? You have to remember, I'm, in, I'm a pessimist. I'm a pessimist with the Vikings here. I, I was tweeting out season over. I've come back from my season over tweet. But um, <laughs> Monica, like, just look at look at the facts of the matter with this game in Philadelphia. Thursday night football, their first home game since losing the Super Bowl last year. They whooped the Vikings on Thursday night, week two, uh, just like this year. And the problem with the Vikings is that their offensive line can't, the interior can't block for Kirk Cousins, and the Philadelphia D line is ferocious. So you're going to see the exact same thing that happened last year. And that's why I'm nervous. The Vikings aren't a bad football team. They should have beat Tampa Bay. Three turnovers in the first half is what ruined that game. It's not that Tampa Bay went and really just pounded them, even though the second half wasn't good. It's that this Vikings team can't handle pressure, and Philly will do that all night. Well, just talking out the rest of the division here, are you are you shocked at all that the Packers, who were over 7-1 to on DraftKings, are now sitting at plus 240? And equally as shocked that the Bears go from five to one to ten to one. Lions at minus one thirty. I am so upset with how good the Packers looked on Sunday. <laughs> you you have no idea how sick and tired I am of Aaron of not Aaron Rodgers, but well, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre. If Jordan Love, I'm not going to anoint him the next great quarterback at Green Bay yet. But if he looks, if he actually is as good as he looked on Sunday, and as he's looked really throughout most of the preseason. It's just going to be so discouraging for NFC North fans. They should be. Like I 100% think they should be at at their number. If I were to single-handedly support the Paul Farrington show here with my pocketbook, (laughs) and we had $100 to sprinkle on the NFC North, and you could pick two teams to sprinkle $100, how would you you spread that out right now? Lions minus 130, Packers plus 240, Vikings plus 650, Bears 10 to 1. Man, if you gave me two teams there, Detroit looked pretty good. I'm sorry, Detroit. I actually thought that their performance is being a bit overrated. Um, they looked okay. They had big moments, but overall, in that Thursday night game, they were playing a Chiefs team that I, people are going to get mad to saying I'm saying an injured Chiefs team. 
But it was an injured Chiefs team. And you said it before, without that interception, the Chiefs probably win that game. If there's no pick oh, yeah. six. So oh, yeah. I'm not particularly impressed by Detroit. I th- I'm impressed that they went into Kansas City and won. But the way they did it didn't make me go, wow, this team's a dominant force in the NFC. I would probably sprinkle the Packers and the Vikings. I think oh, the Bears are terrible. Crazy. So the Bears are terrible. So I, I may be one of my worst takes ever is is going all in on this Bears team. I just don't know what I saw. I, I again, we're gonna have to 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 hop on amp again and talk this out long form. I don't know what I saw, but I'm blown away that you are on the Packers here after one week. I think the Falcons handle them in week two. I I well I I like the value. I think Detroit's a better team. And like at minus one thirty, I'm just not particularly confident in Detroit. I, I wouldn't call them the the outright favorite like that just yet. They they had a good game, but there's still a long way to go for that team. Um, the Packers though probably best defense in the division, and if Jordan Love is good, they have a solid offensive line. Aaron Jones is criminally underrated, and the receivers can get the job done. So it comes down to Jordan Love, but the team around him is solid in Green Bay. That's why. I mean, they, they, you see what they did to Chicago? It wasn't even... Chicago did implode as well. But uh, yeah, I'd well, probably me, go Vikings me, and Packers. Get, let's get out of here on this. Best quarterback in the NFC North, Paul, is who? It's right Kirk now. Cousins. All right. That's what I'm saying. Listen, quarterback on Netflix. Shout out Omaha. I, I'm in on Cousins. I, I think this Vikings team is a playoff team. I cannot ignore six and a half to one. I think they overcorrected on the Packers and severely underlook are underlooking this Vikings team. You lost by a field goal on a game that easily again. And if, if your corner could have got his little weight up, boy, he would have made the <laughs> Baker tackle. They wouldn't have moved the chain. Oh, oh, that Kirk was our corner. Done it, and we're staring at the Vikings plus one eight. That was our rookie linebacker, Yvonne Pace, who, again, undrafted from Cincinnati. He was, I believe, an All-American in college. I said the same thing to my dad when watching the game. As soon as that play happened, I was like, you got to come in like a a missile on that play and light up Baker Mayfield. And he he went for the wrap-up tackle, which in that situation wasn't going to get the job done. And listen, I'm a backup corner for my freshman football team. So what do I know about form tackling? Uh, saw it <laughs> too many times over the weekend. Saw it again with Sauce last night. Trying to tackle Diggs chest up. Why are we trying to tackle chest up and play Madden hit stick? Form tackling, wrap up, and nobody moves forward. I... You did that to Baker Mayfield. He doesn't get the first down. You do that to Diggs. Doesn't go for a big play. I, I just, I saw, I see it every weekend in the National Football League. Stop going for the Madden hit stick and wrap up. I'm sorry, Monica. Do I not Monica. have a thought there? I, I, I'm sorry, Monaco. I, I have to, I have to cash out on that Packers. I, I'm not, I'm not letting myself believe just Thank yet. Thank you. Thank you. I am you. cashing out. I'm putting it on Detroit. I, I'm not, not yet. I can't. I can't believe that Jordan Love is going to be a good quarterback this season yet. I need I, I need I a little bit of hope. It's such an overreaction. Pl- the Packers at plus 240, they were 7 to 1 48 hours ago. The Browns different conversation because the two biggest swings on the market were the Browns and the Packers. 
Browns, different. They have a top five offensive line per PFF. They have a top three running back. They have a guy who has been a top 10 quarterback in this league. They have a top five pasty. All of those are reasons to believe. This Packers team, I mean, what? Plus 240? Get cooked in Atlanta by a team that has any kind of a competent defense. I'm so mad at myself for betting the Bears. I digress. That's okay. We're, you bought into Justin We're going to have a... Yeah, we're going to have a part two. We're going to, Paul's going to come on. We're going to talk out some more futures and all things week two, um, if not later today, at some point here in the next 24 hours. So, yeah, we appreciate you hopping on um, for Paul and myself. This has been the Moneyline Monaco Tuesday pod. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, follow all things volume sports. And as always, don't forget to hug your mothers. We'll see you tomorrow. The volume.